Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Hello, hello. Whatever time of day you happen to be listening, welcome back. This is Moms of Minis podcast. We are your hosts. I am Lindsay. And I'm Sophia. And we have our very first guest. This is super exciting in studio. I'm making it sound way more uh, professional than this actually is. (laughs) But uh, we have our very first guest. We have Monica Villanueva Holmes. She is a traditional rituals birth and postpartum doula and chef with Nurture and Nourish. Welcome, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We're so excited. We are so excited. (laughs) Thank you. So we have tons of questions for Monica that we will get into. But first, we are going over our self-care that we did for the week. I think Sophia and I may have the same one, but that's okay. (laughs) I changed mine, so it's different. Oh, okay. So. (laughs) So... What was yours, since I don't know about it? Well, mine, I was shopping the clearance aisle of Walmart, as I do. As you do. Every single time I go there. And, like, the whole stationary, like, back-to-school area is, like, 80% off. And so um, I kind of went crazy and got, like, four different notebooks that I'm, like, convinced is going to fix my life. (laughs) One's, like, a meal planner. One's, like, a fitness tracker. One's just like a regular in-depth weekly plan. And I'm like, yes, this is going to change, fix everything. Your life is all together now. It's all together now. (laughs) And I've done this like two or three times in my life already. And I used it for like a week and, you know, forgot about them. I have no idea where they went. Right now, though, I've been using them for like three days, and I feel organized. There, there you go. Yeah. There so you go. That's good self-care. It actually sticks. So that's my self-care. That's good self-care. So so mine... Uh, since Sophia threw me a curveball. Um, so we actually went in a mom's only shopping trip on Sunday. We went on on a shopping spree and Sophia's wonderful mother, Jen also joined us. Uh, we went to target and we got Starbucks. Yes. 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 We got Starbucks. I wore some like booty heels. I know. You look to chase around a toddler. You look fancy. I look like a hobo. Uh, No, you did. Oh my God. (laughs) I look like a homeless person. No, she did not. But we went, yeah, we did that. We went to Target. We went to Ulta because I wanted to be an adult and buy myself makeup because I never wear it. Again, why I look like a hobo. Oh, my God. And uh, we went to Five Below. And then we finished it off with a trip to Sam's with a Sam's pizza. Yep. It was, it was a good day. Oh, and then a surprise visit to Joann's. We went there, too. Oh, yes. Joann's. Yes. On, the way, on yes. the way back, we were like, let's hit up Joann's and look at some fabric. It was yes. like the biggest <laughs> dopamine hit day. It was so good. Yeah. Oh, I'm was... super jealous. <laughs> it was so, <laughs> so nice. nice. Well, what about you, Monica? Yes. What was your self-care this week? Honestly, this is my self-care. Being Aww. in the presence of other women. I'm in a household full of five boys. Cool. That's a lot. Four of which are teenagers. Oh, and I've the old man. That's oh, my God. husband. So <laughs> being able to sit and chat and drink wine and yes. have charcuterie is totally amazing. That's well, awesome. you are welcome anytime. Thank Literally you. anytime. We've been talking before the show and we obviously have tons in common and so many more episodes we could do together. I was going to say, we have like a whole, a whole conversation we yes. had that we're like, this should be an episode. So, so uh, we'll scare her away yes, and uh, we can get her back. Hopefully. <laughs> Bear with us. Bear with us, yeah. Well, so we wanted to talk about, it sounds like Monica has a ton of experience with, you know. And information. Yes, of 
birthing people and all sorts of guidance and gifts of knowledge you can share. We did a whole other episode. Um, it was episode two, if anybody's listened to it, about our own postpartum struggles. Mm-hmm. We had different um, experiences, not good or bad, different, but... Um, you know, I, me personally, I, I texted you this, Monica, that mm-hmm. I had to pack up and move our house in El Paso on day five I postpartum. Imagine. I have no idea how I did it looking back. And it's like one of those like memory block things. Like it yeah. was just like something to I survive. Just, yeah. Literally survival mode. It yeah. was awful. It kind of tarnished the newborn phase mm-hmm. for me. And then because of my husband's job, we were doing an Airbnb casita in Santa Fe. And so something now looking back, I realized is that even if my husband wanted to help, it was one room. So I couldn't sleep and hear my baby screaming. Like it was just not going to happen. So I seriously went like four weeks and got maybe like 30 hours of sleep within those four weeks. And so I was going crazy and it was just like not a fun time. And Lindsay's got her own experience. Yeah, my, my experience was not... Not ideal either. I mean, my husband thankfully was able to get about a month of um, leave, which was wonderful. But he and I are the only people here. So like that was difficult that we're both, you know, brand new parents. We're navigating these new waters and neither of us really know what we're doing. (laughs) We're we're just kind of figuring it out and we have no support. And then when when he went back to work and it was just me, like that was another shock of like, okay, now my only support person is gone. (laughs) And so now I need to figure this out by myself. Um, Like, who deemed me responsible? Yeah, like, who decided decided to give me this baby? Yeah. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, you know, these stories are very common. You know, I wish I could say they weren't, but I think, you know, especially living um, in the West, in a Western society, um, it's very prevalent that we don't have family supports like we used to. We don't have community supports. Yeah. Uh, we don't know who to turn to. And um, we're sort of left to our own devices. And that's not the way our bodies and our minds were yeah. made to go through these. And I always talk about rites of passage as, as part of this experience. You know, being pregnant is a rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah. Giving birth is a rite of passage. And your postpartum time is a rite of passage. Coming out of the postpartum time is another (laughs) rite of passage. So just in, you know, less than a year, you go through four or five rites of passage. And they're not celebrated anymore. And they're not um, supported anymore. And this is why PPMDs are, you know, on the rise. And this is why people are, are feeling so closed off and feeling really sad about their experiences looking back. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it is such a weird society that it's turned into. Like, I remember seeing something probably on Instagram, and it was just like, why is, like, when we can have sex next, like, the only concern of postpartum? Like, that's all it is. It's like, all right. But whose concern is it? Doctors and your and husband. Men, yes. I was gonna say, yeah. And, and, and or partners, right? Yeah, and yeah. and that's mostly because they're not educated either. Mm-hmm. Actually, no part of the dyad is educated yeah. properly about it. We're right. given this random number of weeks. We're not told the exact why or how or why that might need to shift either yeah. more or less from those six weeks. Yeah. Um, men aren't educated about 
why it's important to support us physically, emotionally, spiritually during this time. Yeah. They're not shown. They've maybe never seen it in their lives. Right. And so this is new territory for, for men and, and partners of any kind, yeah. right? Yeah. We just, as a society, don't have these things built in. Yeah. We talk about sex education. What is that about today? How to put a condom on a banana. <laughs> yeah. And STDs. Don't get them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, like, Absolutely. go get checked at the clinic. Yeah. Um, we really don't learn about the if ands and whys and yeah. and that again that support like how do we support people going through any of these processes right totally yeah so I guess to jump jump in just how did you get started in this industry what made you have like this feeling to be drawn mm-hmm. to this industry did you have jobs beforehand that kind of so that's interesting because I thought I was going to start um, the story of how I became a doula at one point, but I think it must have started a lot sooner. Like I've always loved children. Um, I've always been fascinated by pregnant people. Um, my mom had two children after me. I'm the oldest. And so, you know, as the oldest sibling, you sort of take on that like mother hen, second mother yeah, role, yeah. Um, especially because my siblings are very far apart. So I have one six years younger and one 13 years younger. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so when, um, especially my 13 year younger sibling was born, um, because of some other things that my parents were going through at the time, I really became one of the primary caretakers. Yeah. And, um, a lot of weight for, for a 13 year old. Yeah. yeah. Junior high. I remember oh. being, you know, in eighth grade or end of seventh grade. And, um, you know, like I didn't begrudge that role. I wasn't upset about that role. Mm-hmm. Again, I love baby so much. She yeah. actually became my best friend. Like Aww. to this day, I just, um, you know, I really loved pushing her in her stroller and like rocking her to sleep Aww. and singing her Disney songs. Aww. I would cry, uh, climb in her little crib and we would <laughs> dance. And That's so cute. It so cute. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, you know, that was, that was just, it was a joy for me. Yeah. It was a joy, like helping raise her. And then, you know, I became a nanny at 17 and um, I was a mother's helper. Um, I studied elementary education and child psychology um, at school. So then, like, it was just a natural transition to always be working with and around children's and thereby mothers. Yeah. Yeah. And, but really the impetus, like, to become a doula specifically came at the birth of my now 19-year-old. So 19 years ago, he was born to a young mother, and through no fault of her own, um, she became pregnant she um, was a young black girl living in inner city Baltimore. So the odds were really stacked up against her from the very beginning. And um, she decided that she wanted a better life for her child. And, um, you know, we met, I I just believe everything is sort of written in the stars and it was just amazing how we met. That's a story for another day, but (laughs) um, I'll jump to the part where, you know, we go to the hospital, 10 minutes later, he's born. Oh, wow. And (laughs) they they bring us up right away. Like she hadn't even delivered the placenta yet. Oh my gosh. And so we walk into the birthing suite. She's not even cleaned up and in her recovery suite yet. And you can't help but see it was the most traumatic, like god awful, bloody. It just <laughs> like it, it. It was a nightmare yeah, walking I'm into sure. that room. I mean, and and this is just my perspective walking in, right. and we actually yeah. had our 
our five year our six year old at the time with us. Oh, we had no idea what we were walking into. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, so we're like shepherding him over to the side, like, oh, go sit over yeah, here. Go look, like, go look over block, there. Yeah, daddy blocked the view. Because, <laughs> you know, she was still on the operating bed. and Well, not such a vulnerable position I to know, be in. Like, that they didn't even think, like, we're total strangers to her. Yeah. We've only ever spoken on the phone. Why? Why would they bring us to her at that point? Oh, God. Um, awesome. But they did. And, you know, I am eternally grateful that they did because having witnessed that and experienced that, um, seeing everything that not only she went through, but her child, the infant went through as well. Like it was a really catastrophic, difficult um, delivery. And, you know, the four steps were still there. The vacuum still hanging oh, out. Gosh. I mean, it was just, it was really rough. And, and what I observed over the days that I was there and as I was talking to her and she was opening up more is that, you know, um, and we know this now, we have better statistics and better reporting of this, but you know, people of color, specifically people of color that are low income, specifically people of color that are low income, that are young, are terribly mistreated um, in hospitals by the doctors, by the nursing staff. Um, they are not treated with any amount of respect or care or kindness uh, or a gentle hand, yeah. um, their um, autonomy is taken away from them. They're not given, you know, any pre-knowledge about what might, might happen, what is happening. They're not given choices about their care. You know, she was given an episiotomy without even knowing what an episiotomy was or being asked, does oh, wow. she want one? You know, they use the forceps in the vacuum without asking her. Oh, I mean, now we know, and as older experienced moms, we know, like, how dangerous that is to, to both. Yeah. And, like, she just wasn't, it, it wasn't even a question to ask her. Oh. And for three days, nobody really came in to check on her. Um, in her room like I was helping her to the hospital to change her pads and like go to the restroom oh, and like ice ordering woman. ice packs for her, ordering food for her like it's not to say if I wasn't there what would have happened to her but this is an experience that has happened to so many girls and women yeah, yeah. Um, and birthing people of color um, in these kinds of situations in in hospitals across the U.S. And, um, you know, I wanted to bring a little bit of awareness to it right now just to say that this really does happen. Um, but secondly, you know, that, that piece of it is like, why doula? Why become a doula? Why have a doula? And this is why for a lot of women, mm -hmm. um, and I mostly work with BIPOC women, women of color, is because they, they have heard from their aunties, their mothers, their grandmothers, their friends, these horrible experiences that they've had. Yeah. And they're trying to change and they want an advocate. They want an advocate. Right. They want somebody to ask them what they want. Yeah. They want to pre-plan what this birth or postpartum time might look like and not have everything stripped away from them. Right. And, like, really, you know, terribly um, dangerous things done to them without yeah. their permission. Well, um, I'm sure you, you know the statistic, but what it, what is it exactly of, like, black women dying it's like 80 per, yeah well i mean that's not 80 percent but right. like cesarean is something yeah. like 80 percent oh how could this be we just have a different color a, a white woman or or yeah. or a white passing woman walking into a hospital presenting the same same physical characteristics no 
um, major health issues, mm -hmm. and suddenly the black woman is 80% more likely yeah. to have a cesarean, which is a major operation, by the yeah. way. Huge. Like, let's not minimize that. Because, no. like, people are looking at, at some white women that are in position are looking at it as a choice. Like, I would like to schedule my cesarean for such and such date at such and such time. And I'm not saying that that's wrong or right. That's everybody has a choice to right. make, and if you make that choice, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. And as a doula, I would support you. As a friend, I would support you. As whomever, I would support you in that. Yeah. But <laughs> that's not a choice that everybody gets to make. That is something that is pushed onto them without their consent, and yeah. thereby is the pro you know lies yeah. the problem, the yeah. issue. Absolutely. And then you're left with weeks, if not months, if not years of um issues that yeah. have arisen yeah. because of that right and maybe you don't have um the supports in place maybe you don't have the person who can stay with you to help during that recovery maybe you don't have the financial freedom of not going back to work yeah um or getting uh help with recovery i Absolutely. know yeah. uh, there's this woman that i follow on instagram and she's had four cesareans mm -hmm. oh. And, you know, she's, she's like a fitness person. Mm -hmm. And one thing she does like every week is she gets like <laughs> cupping uh -huh. um, on her scar, on her scar. Uh -huh. And she's like, oh, this is a great service and everyone should do this. And I mean, well, I'm not saying everyone that... shouldn't, but it's like, right. maybe not everyone has the means to do that. Absolutely. Well, is she the one that takes her baby to the gym? Yeah. She's also the one that <laughs> takes her baby to CrossFit and says there's no excuses, which, sure, you know. Yeah, let's, that's, that let's, is destroy, here. let's destroy that myth right now. Right. <laughs> that is, yeah. that's, a, that's another program. Yeah, that's that's part of workout. That's yeah. different. Um, but again, but yeah, I support anybody not, doing most things. But yeah, like but not everybody. That. Never yeah. everybody has that kind of support no. where they can get their C-section scars, yeah. you know, right. sculpted or yeah. cupped or yeah. whatever, and or even do like pelvic floor therapy. Oh yeah, which is so basic. Oh, that's that should that we know, be right? like that should be included yeah, in care, but it's not. <laughs> Belly binding, which is that not, should also be included in yeah, care. It's not it's like crazy. you don't know how many people I've worked with. Like they they actually could not afford the thirty dollar belly bind, and so I'm like, okay, just rent it. And by rental, I mean just borrow it. Yeah, <laughs> borrow it for your whole four months. That's why I keep tons of them and nice. all different styles. Is because awesome. this is a necessity. This is something you know. I think it's like the Swedish and you know other people in Europe. They get these baby boxes and they get all these supplies and they get these postpartum boxes and like tampons are covered in you know you know healthcare and like yeah. we are so far behind oh, times oh, yeah. here in the U.S. We say that we're the best nation and yet. We don't take care of, like, the leaders of our nation, which is actually women. Yeah, right. <laughs> which yeah. is actually people bearing children. And, you know, like, these are the people we should really be investing in. Yeah, definitely. Totally. Well, so one question I have for you is, so uh, is there a difference between a labor and delivery doula and a postpartum doula? There is. So just, um, you know, by the mere fact of the word labor and delivery doula or birth doula, one and the same, is the doula who's more than likely going to meet with you during your pregnancy. You'll get to know one another. You'll get to chat about what your birth plan is. And we can talk about birth plans <laughs> later. Cause that's like, I think that's the answer to another question that, nice. um, yeah. So um, they're going to be helping you develop, like, what do you want this day to look like? Um, how do you want to deal with pain? You know, how do you deal with it currently? Um, they're going to give them some information and advice. Um, maybe they uh, practice certain modalities, modalities of like, 
uh, therapeutic modalities that are going to help with that pain. Maybe they do like hypnobirthing, maybe they do spinning babies or different positions, maybe they have counter pressure and things like that that they're going to recommend for this person, right? So yeah. they're going to help them beginning to end. Whatever stage um, the parent, the birthing parent calls you at is the time that you're on duty as a doula, <laughs> whether you're talking to them over the phone or on their computer or you're there in person with them, right. like all of it. Um, and so then um, it transitions. So about an hour after delivery, and that first hour we call the golden hour, and that's mm -hmm. another fun topic. <laughs> um, after the golden hour is typically when you turn into a postpartum doula. Can your labor gotcha. and delivery birth doula also be your postpartum doula? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's like, do you have to get yes, two separate yeah. people? <laughs> no, you don't. Um, what's really great is, like, I've done it all different ways. So I happen to be both a birth and um, a postpartum doula. Okay. And so I can see people through those. Or sometimes I have another client, so I'll just work in tandem with another doula, and we'll do what's called a doula share. Okay. Um, but any way you want to do it is fine. And, you know, it's going to depend on the birthing person what they feel like they're going to need. Typically in a hospital, after that first hour is when you transition from the labor and delivery suite to um, your rest and recuperation suite. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, with COVID, things are a little bit different. Every hospital yeah, is different. Right. So you don't know if you're allowed to have another support person in after that. Yeah. Um, so that's where it gets a little like, ah, oh, when am I going to see you again? Right. But it typically before the third day postpartum is when your postpartum doula is going to start working with you okay so um awesome. yeah and so the postpartum doula what they're doing for you is you know a lot of people think like is this um a babysitter are they going to just come and take care of babies so i can sleep yes and yeah. <laughs> there's so much more a postpartum right. doula can do and depending on you know what credentials that doula has or you know what natural talents they have and what um, the parents are looking for is what they're able to do. So some will really focus on nutrition and stocking some meals for you, making mm -hmm. sure that you're well fed um, and, and hydrated. Hydration yeah. is like the biggest thing I always ask yes. my mamas. Yeah. Did you drink your 32 or your 64 ounces today? And they're like all sheepish, like, eh, I forgot. Okay. I'm making you your herbal tea yeah. right now. Oh. We're going to make some warming drinks. Here's your your pitcher of water by your bedside. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Just, just going to say, like, next baby, like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm giving you a call. Oh, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> locked, sounds, you're locked in the sounds great. for a few more oh, years. Yeah. So, so that's so long. I'm sorry. You can't leave. <laughs> like, this sounds Thank amazing. You. Because we, you know, I had found somebody who referred you on Facebook, and that's mm -hmm. how I got in contact with Monica. And, um... I've looked and just out of pure curiosity around the city, and I haven't found any postpartum doulas. I know there's a, a I wouldn't say a lot, but there are birth doulas available, yeah. but I'm sure they've got a ton of people on their schedules and stuff like yeah, that. I do. And so, I mean, I'm sure you're going to be just flooded with people yes. once oh, all your information you. gets out because it is a service I have not well, seen. Well, I, I honestly like. I feel like I was very uh, hands-off when it came to my pregnancy. Like, I I didn't really know anything about what to expect. Like, I, I had never really been around pregnant people ever. Um, I hadn't really been around babies. And so all of my knowledge of pregnancy and birth came from what to expect when you're expecting, which yeah. we can talk about that. But... Um, like, By the way, that's not a book we always recommend in the industry anymore. I, I can know why. The, the publishers of that book, but 
there are other resources I, that we recommend. <laughs> right. But so I really had no idea like what to expect with birth. I didn't know anything about doulas other than um, my I had a neighbor that lived across the street from us, and her daughter kept trying to like get me to hire her, but she was like very pushy about it, and yeah. I was like, so "This she is was a doula." Yeah, she okay. was a doula, and door to door salesman doula. <laughs> it was very, it was very uncomfortable. Like she saw oh, no, me, neither. like you know, eight months pregnant, getting out of my car, and she like ran <laughs> over to me. <laughs> And was like, oh, I see you're pregnant. And I'm like, really? oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm a doula. Give me a call. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know you. Like, I don't know what your service you're offering me. I was so I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was very strange. Weird, so, yeah. like, I had that experience. And then I'm a cycling instructor. So I was teaching up until 35 weeks. Mm-hmm. And one of my students in my class was like, oh, for my second kid, my wife hired a doula and the doula was great. And I was like, okay, well, what'd they do? And he like, couldn't explain to me like what the doula did. And he was just like, you know, they're expensive, but they're like, they're great. They're great. And they're like, they're there for you. And I was like, but but what do you mean? Like, what what did they do? Well, I can tell you a little yes, bit more please, about what they this, do. This man just left it a mystery. Like, <laughs> like she well, was, was there. Like, I got the day off. Now the doula is here. And Probably. that does happen sometimes. Yeah. I will be honest. I was just, I was very confused. He was yeah. very strongly advocating for one. Yeah. But I was like, well, but why? Yeah, he was give like, me, I got to kick my feet like, up give me, second time around. Give yes. me the why. So, you know, I think we ended with nutrition and that's, oh, yes. that's like, sorry. That, oh no, that's okay. <laughs> that, I mean, for me personally in my practice, um, that is one of my main focuses because that tends to be the thing that gets forgotten the most. Like, oh, yeah. of course we're prioritizing infant. Why wouldn't we? Right. And then secondly, we're prioritizing, prioritizing mom and sleep. Very necessary. Um, but everything (laughs) sort of goes to the wayside. So like sometimes when a doula gets there, they're like, I have a pile of laundry. Could you just clean it? Can I go to the bathroom uninterrupted and take a shower? Of course. These are all basics, but there's things above and beyond that. So like belly binding, we talked a little bit about that. Why belly bind? Again, another show, but it's mm-hmm. basically, you know, um, you can suffer diastasis. That's, you know, the separating yep. of the muscles. Um, and this is not shapewear. Again, repeat, not shapewear. Yeah. You are not going to look like Kim Kardashian after this. <laughs> All like nipped and tucked in. Yeah. This is holding everything together so that it can mend. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a therapeutic process that's, awesome. that's actually around the world there are sacred cloths and they're you know names different things and there are different modalities around it but almost everybody every indigenous culture has used a sacred cloth to bind a woman's belly so it's really a beautiful process as well and there are oils and pastes that you can utilize that actually warm the skin Mm. um, down through several layers Um, the food that we use is warming because the body is in what's considered a cold state or a cold condition Mm. if you follow eastern medicine either ayurvedic indian or chinese um, malaysian um, they have this idea of the body um, expressing itself warm when it's pregnant and you can feel that you might yeah. get overheated a lot yeah. you're very flush yeah. you're producing life you're there's a lot of mechanics going on within your body yeah. um, and and after labor and delivery this is why you get those shivers uncontrollable oh. shivers you, you have to put so lots of blankets on you you're warm wow. to warm up okay. and then for the first 40 days it's called um, in in some uh, cultures it's called the quarantena which means 40 mm. 40 to 60 days 
uh, it can stretch out just depending if you've had a vaginal birth or you've had a cesarean. We like to go si at least six weeks yeah. for cesarean, four weeks minimum uh, for a vaginal birth that was uncomplicated. Okay. Mm -hmm. So really thinking about the investment of time in that first four months or sorry, the first four <laughs> weeks, four months would that be lovely. Would be that would be great. Yeah, and I I've actually that. worked with some clients for almost a year. Wow. So, That's yeah. And it just, you know, it transitions over time. But, you know, some of the other things that we do too is um, we do like a, a sacred bath. And, and this is, again, bringing that warmth and there's steam and there's special herbs that we use and we're exfoliating the body. You know, you think about labor and delivery as this process and you don't often kind of like get to scrub it all off, you know, and and it's just this renewal. You're sort of coming out of this oh, other cocoon. That's really cool. Um, and, and we do baby baths, like a sacred baby bath as well. With that is um, so cool. We can use breast milk or powdered infant milk and florals, and this is really nice as well. You know, we're teaching infant education as a new parent. You Like you said, you felt like you were left to your own devices. Oh, yeah. Like, who, who left me in charge? Like, <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't had exposure to young children or pregnancy yeah. before, you can, even if you took a class online or something, you might be like, oh my gosh, this right. is nothing like I anticipated. Like yes. a baby doll changing its diaper in a class, yeah. totally different than a real messy diaper with a squiggly baby yes. that's crying and hungry and your breasts are leaking and you're in pain, doubled over. Yeah. and you're operating on two hours of sleep. It's like bringing Absolutely. back like, <laughs> I know, like yeah. flashbacks over here. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's crazy. And it's like, it's so weird that what you do is seen as like, such a weird thing. You know? Yeah, That's I was like, telling you guys, uh, like, like a witchy, witchy woman, like, yeah. like I'm a Wiccan, and nothing wrong with that. Right. Like, I'm okay with that if people yeah. think that's funny or whatever, but... But you know, the, these are just treating a mother with yes. like dignity, dignity. And yes. respect and healing is weird in the yeah. United States. Well, it's like yeah. I I don't know why like, you know, people love pregnant women, right? Like mm -hmm. that's that's a thing like, oh, pregnant women are gorgeous, right. blah, yes. blah blah blah. But it's like as soon as the woman has the baby, it's like, oh, well. Yep. Okay. They talk all, like, yeah. all about the baby. Yeah. So Which, that's like another thing. Yeah. I am a gatekeeper when it comes to how many people come visit mom and baby. Because I know most of those people are there to see a cute baby. Yeah. And, um, less, and, and they're imposing on mom. They're imposing on her sleep yeah. time. They're imposing on her bonding time with her baby. They're bringing germs into her home. They're bringing her food that is not good for her body. Yeah. And... And they're just like an imposition, honestly, if they're not there to specifically help with those things that she needs yeah, help with. Yeah. Very few people actually ask and mean it. Yeah. When, you know, when they say, oh, what right. can we do for you? We'll drop you off a lasagna or whatever. Right. Not that lasagna is a bad meal to have. <laughs> like, it's delicious and they're great components. Well, and but we like, even talked about just what we're going to do to support each other when oh, the yeah. next kid comes around. Because I'm like, I can't wait to do her laundry mm -hmm. and clean her house there you and go. force feed her. And yes. <laughs> like, well, we, we talked about, too, like, we have the, maybe not unique since there were so many, you know, quote, and quote pandemic babies but you know we kind of had the unique experience that the hospital told us we could only have yeah. one extra person yes. and so we didn't have the, the you know parade yep. and generations there. Yes. yeah like we you know the 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 covid kind of like yeah. 
<laughs> took that for yes. us. So we we didn't have to deal with that. And we love that. Oh yeah. Like I that. I loved I that imagine. I didn't There's have to There's still some like, trauma around right. it with the hospital yeah. experience. Oh yeah. I would imagine. Oh absolutely. And some of the loneliness later, like and just the fear, the, the fear mongering. Well, I mean, which was legitimate. Right. Too. But like I was telling Lindsay, my hospital had a procedure that even if you were asymptomatic, no matter mm-hmm. what. If you or the one support person you could have mm-hmm. tested positive, mm-hmm. the baby was immediately removed and yes. separated for 10 days. Yes. At least. Oh, we heard. And I will tell you, as a doula, like as a birth worker, policies in our area, Seattle, where I came from, were changing literally every day, sometimes mm-hmm. hour to hour. Yeah. And we would have to call because we didn't know if we were actually going to be able to show up or not. We didn't know if it was going to be a choice between the partner or family member or us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in one case I was actually selected over the parent of the person who was a single mom. I mean, like, it's just like horrible choices had to be made at the moment. And like, yeah, people not being able to hold their baby. Like we thought this happened in the fifties and sixties. I know. We didn't know that this could be a, there could be a resurgence (sighs) of that kind of like break in the maternal bond, maternal infant bond, which you know, we, we talked a moment about the golden hour yeah. and how so important, important that first right. hour is yeah. um, to bonding and to um, helping that baby transition from the womb to Earthside. Yeah. Um, and for the parent as well, like you have this swell of um, different things going on in your body and processes that are trying to reverse themselves. And if you are separated from your infant during that time, like that sets you up even more for those PPMDs, yeah. Yeah. you know, the postpartum mood disorders. Like right. it, it's just, it can be catastrophic. Yeah. And so like, Gosh. I really do feel for you guys that, that birth, you know, we're pregnant and birth during COVID. And even now, you know, there's still so many challenges Definitely. Um, that, Definitely. That people are going through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Still to this day, it's crazy. All yeah. sorts of things pop up. We, you know, we saw, I sent her something on Facebook we saw of some lady saying she wants to get oh. her two year old together Socialized. with some friends she's for never... the first time in that baby's life. Yeah. And it's like, you can't blame her for yeah. that. But it's just like, it's such a weird yeah. world we're living in today. And like, there is no right or wrong with all that, but it's just like, weird all of it's weird and since there's that combined with what we were talking about earlier you know and I will say I have noticed with um, my parents that are in their 20s and 30s versus those of us who are in our 40s you know that we grew up like my age group grew up in a generation where we took care of the neighborhood kids and our Mm -hmm. own siblings and stuff and and a lot of the younger generation didn't necessarily have those experiences, yeah. right? Because right. of that diaspora that happened with family members mm-hmm. and communities and childcare and all of those yeah. other things, right? So it's a different generation going through these things. And sometimes I don't relate because I don't have those same experiences. Mm-hmm. But then again, all you need to do in order to relate to somebody is just listen and hear them and observe and, totally. you know, just be there for them to rely on and lean on. You know, Absolutely. that's right. the best advice I can give to anybody, right. whether you're a doula or just a friend or just a concerned person, like right. just listen, yeah. just hear them out. Absolutely. Do not hold judgment over them or about the situation. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because what they're conveying is going to be so toned down to what they're actually thinking anyway. Yeah. You know? 
Well, and one of the things that I do is I actually, you know, talking about these birth stories, first of all, you guys are incredibly brave to share your birth stories. (laughs) Birth stories are so personal, as one knows, right? Right. And birth stories, um, especially in this time, you know, can be very traumatic. Yeah. And have been for eons for women in different situations. But... You know, when you share a story like this, you normalize it more for other people. And we we don't tag things as bad. You know, Mm -hmm. I like how you guys use the language like it just was. This was, you know, was it good or bad? It just was. Yeah. Um, But there there can be those tie-ins to real trauma that we felt. And, you know, just having an experienced person to lend an ear or just like to keep an eye on you during those times. Yeah. And to hear your story at the very beginning of your postpartum time so when it's fresh in your mind when you remember everything and the one thing I like to do is 30 days later at the end Mm. of postpartum or as we're nearing it I take that story down again whether I do a recording of the parent doing that whether I write it down or whether they've journaled it and then they start to see some differences they also see things that they totally blocked out and forgot (laughs) yeah right right? but now they've had some time to process because as I'm dueling them We've been talking about these things. We've been bringing them up. Yeah. They've been experiencing them. Right. Right? And they're able to process. Like, I'm not a therapist, but, again, just having that person just listen. Well, I was going to yeah. say, it's still therapeutic. Yeah. Like, even totally. if it's not therapy, yeah. right. you know, in the traditional sense. Right. Well, kind of off that note, what was schooling like to get you to this point? How did you study? Was yeah. there, like, a program? Yeah, there there are several programs, um, national programs, and then there are doulas and other birth workers who are creating their own programs now. So, like, you have these major ones like Dona, Kappa, et cetera, et cetera, Pro Doula. Hmm. Um, And it's typically, like, anywhere from 24 hours to several weeks of training. It just depends on the program. Um, Most curriculum is very basic. You, You either study to be a birth doula or you study to be a postpartum doula or you take both right mm-hmm. um it doesn't prepare you <laughs> for the real thing i, I would imagine sure. it's, it's kind it of like not. baptism by fire yes. like you just have to figure it out <laughs> oh, yes <laughs> they do require hours after you sort of graduate the program before you're technically certified okay. so you have to have an, a certain number of births and a certain number of postpartum uh, hours under okay. your belt. And those can be a little bit difficult to get. Like, who's sure. going to do an untrained person? One of the first questions I'll ask you as a birth doula, That's how nice. many births have you attended? Oh. How many people have you done postpartum for? So um, a lot of us are like, I will totally do this for free. Yeah. Just let me be in the room with you. Yeah. Just, Just let sign me, this paper. Let me practice. Yes, let me practice. Let me see what it's really like. That's and awesome. for those of us who haven't given birth yet, or um, we'll never be able to give birth. Like, it, again, like, experientially, we don't even know what it's like to be in the shoes of the client. So gotcha. you really have to get your hands in there. But, That's you know, awesome. most of us also take a lot of extra classes. Yeah. So after these major classes, we sort of start to specialize. Like a doctor, you know, they take their yeah. general ed yeah. classes, and then they specialize. Like, am I going to be a podiatrist? Am I going to be an OBGYN? Well, your profession, you don't find a lot of people who just want to skate by like just the nature of this profession yeah. is caring yeah so mostly yes you know, well you, you are gonna find like things that you're more interested in right yep. like yep. uh so I, I talked about your shirt before oh. we started rec- <laughs> recording but so your shirt says 
uh, ingredient. Oh, indigenous. indigenous sorry. <laughs> like, I can, can kind of read. Indigenous Milk Whisperer Pure Lactation Counselor. Mm-hmm. So uh, clearly something having to do with lactation. Yes. And I know you also have... Um, chef with nurture and nourish in your title so why don't you talk a little bit about those specialties and kind of how you got into those what made you interested in them so um, my education took a sharp left turn (laughs) when I was 22 I was like I always wanted to um, I always loved cooking and my grandmother was actually my girl (laughs) yes my mater I was like when you said food I was like foodies for life yes yeah um, Can't relate. <laughs> well, I'm in, in, in our last mac and cheese, and call it a day. In our last episode, I talked about how uh, my husband and I do an international meal every month, yes. where we like cook a special fancy meal, and we're also like winos, and love like it. we love wine and like talking about wine. So the wine I keep is for Lindsay. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that's, 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 my, that's my stash. I don't drink wine. She a good friend. She hates wine. <laughs> Well, so yeah, so I came by it naturally, like I was always at my grandmother's apron strings and Mm -hmm. so sharp left, I'm like, I want to be a chef. So I went to culinary school and And, um, I just, I knew I really didn't want to work in restaurants my whole life. Like that's such a, that's why I didn't go to uh, culinary school, (laughs) but there's so many other options now. Like while I was actually still my, I was in my last semester and I went and became a personal chef. So I just found a lot of families. I I was in the DC area at the time. So, you know very affluent families and they're like yeah come in and cook my meals for me I'm like all right I can like that. sure sure <laughs> but it was always family so I always made sure like you know they had multiple children and uh, I was just one of the staff but yes <laughs> loved that job it was really great and as I was raising my own children I was really flexible hours and stuff yeah. so That's I was like awesome. I, I know that I want to keep this as part of me like this is who I am nutrition and food is so important so it made sense for me as a doula to really focus on food and nutrition and as I dove into the nutrition aspects more and the traditional aspects of care that's where those two sort of converged like we're using warming spices and herbs we're using foods that are easy on the digestive system for the first few weeks we're doing things that are um like really going to sustain mom, give her the most energy and nutrients and vitamins and caloric intake that she needs and right. like all of those things. It just really made sense. It all lined yeah, up. That's awesome. And then um, with the traditional pieces, like uh, my father's from Peru. Um, I identify as Mestiza, Peruvian, Indigenous. Um, and so it was really important to bring that thread in. And so I studied Latin American cultural care. And then that like prompted me into Moroccan and Malaysian Ooh. care. So I'm kind of like most of the continents are covered. Yeah. <laughs> so because my clients are all awesome. mostly BIPOC um, women. And so they're from different continents. They're from yeah. different cultures. They speak yeah. different languages and have different experiences. So thereby I was able to present things that made sense to them and it was yeah. in their DNA like I can't tell you how many times and like I get chills sometimes when I think about it like the, the experiences they've had reconnecting to their culture sometimes for the first time because they're first generation or they came over when they were very young their mothers grandmothers aunties didn't even know about these practices because they've been lost for so long yeah. and like they're reconnecting to it that's wow. really amazing and that's really so healing cool. I bet yeah And then the piece with lactation was really about, like, 
a lot of the issues that birthing parents are experiencing are with that lactation in the first few days and that's when they give up yep. but I don't mean to say give up in a negative connotation but sometimes they're often told to like they're discouraged yeah. by friends yeah. and well-meaning friends and families by their partners like or by themselves like internally this is too hard it's very painful like yeah. my milk's not coming in my baby's not gaining enough weight the doctor's freaking you out and like just top off with the first thing they say formula. is top off with formula. Rice cereal. It, right? That's what my sister, oh, like, yes. my <laughs> sister oh my kept telling me. That like, oh. day. <laughs> well, so I, I will, I kind of touched on this in our births episode, but, um, so I had what was probably arguably the world's worst lactation mm. consultant <laughs> in the hospital. And, you know, I, I kept trying to make it work and it was so, so painful. Mm -hmm. And literally the lactation consultant was like, you're doing something wrong. And that oh, was all she told me. Shut. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Right. And she's like, I don't know. You're just not doing it right. And oh like, I, I was so discouraged yeah. and it was so hard yeah. and so difficult. And, um, like again, like literally the world's worst lactation consultant. That is important. And it was just like I felt so abandoned yep. by like yeah. somebody who like, isn't this your job? Like <laughs> And and what's yeah, and what is insane is that this is such a natural process, but somebody can defeat you by the words that they say or by the way they judge you. Yeah. Um, and make you doubt yourself too. Oh yeah. Right. Cause I, I mean, yeah. like I, like I said, I, I had no experience yeah. with any of this. Yeah. And so I didn't know, like, like I hadn't really seen people breastfeeding in public. Yeah. Like I didn't know, like what's a latch look like? Mm -hmm. What, like, what is this supposed to be yeah. feeling like? Like, well, all I, I know is this hurts. Was, like instinctual. Like I was like, well, yeah, it's like, it's something that's, it's natural, but it's not instinctual. Yeah. It's, both of those things are correct. Like you can have both of those things be <laughs> yeah. correct. And what it really is about and what I learned in my indigenous um, peer breast counseling, breast and chest counseling class was that some babies have an immature um, latch. Mm -hmm. um, so, I have heard of that before. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. it's not the mother doing anything wrong. It's that the baby's not ready and they're not doing anything wrong. And there's nothing in the long run that's developmentally wrong about them either it's just right. it's just what it is they're going to get enough to survive yeah for the first little bit right. getting a good lactation person on board um having other people normalize it for you and not fear-mongering with you is going to help you last a little bit longer every hour every day that goes by that baby is going to yeah. catch up and yeah. be able to um, extract more milk and nutrients from you your milk will come in and by the way yes. <laughs> your first milk is real milk by the way if somebody tells you it's not they're wrong it's so funny it's <laughs> colostrum is real milk no but sometimes People you hear even like... doctors say well you don't expect your real milk to come in for the first three to seven days What's see i had i didn't hear that because i didn't hear anything other than i was doing it wrong there so you know. so <laughs> yeah misinformation and non-information non can be just as damaging as as misinformation oh right. for sure and and then that judgment on top of it like I don't blame anybody for stopping breastfeeding 
I and we can restart breastfeeding too. By the way, yeah. yeah. Yes. I, so I want people to know that. Yes, that's something that I didn't know about until uh, Sophia mentioned it to me, yeah. and that like at any time you can relactate, or even you know I've seen like adoptive parents yes. can yes. lactate, yes. which I think is like that's insane to yes. me. Like that's that's amazing. That's amazing. It's really like incredible. our our bodies. Let's just say like our bodies are like. Yeah the weirdest coolest things yeah it's incredible yeah it's just so it's such an area that even in 2022 it's still there's not enough education about right it's not normalized well i i will say like let me get on my little soapbox for yes please please do colonization has a lot to do with that so colonizing indigenous cultures who actually previously had all of this knowledge um, is why we don't have this knowledge anymore and trying to distance ourselves from them. Interesting. Okay, so that's, that's my opinion. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, again, families moving apart from each other mm-hmm. and not witnessing those things in regular everyday life. We used to live in multi-generational homes. Right. So we saw birth to death and everything in between, and it was all normalized for us. And that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So we don't even know where to go to find those things often. Right. And so that's why a good doula, a doula who has experience with these things, a doula who can actually shepherd you into community, because that is another job, another role of a doula is to help you find resources and community. Like, hey, I heard about this mother's group in your area. You might want to join it. Or here's a podcast like yours (laughs) that you guys are doing that's really, you know, could be beneficial for you and what you're going through. Here's a hotline with a warm call you know I'm going to pass you off to that and you can speak to somebody specifically to deal with this or like maybe you're struggling with other things and you don't even know these resources exist much less do you have the energy to find them like right I think that's what people don't understand like well and it's even like the so-called experts sometimes mm -hmm. have no idea oh yeah because me and Lindsay are both personal trainers and I'm Mm -hmm. a certified nutritionist and I'm in my last year of school to be like an actual nutritionist oh my gosh and um I was like first and because you know I'm in the last last Uh year classes I specialize and I was super excited to be taking this one class I took last semester because the description was it was going to be mainly about pregnant and breastfeeding Uh And we spent, like, one week on pregnant nutrition, pregnancy nutrition, and another week on breastfeeding nutrition. And it was based, like, the way it was taught was, like, okay, this is what they need. This is what they should be eating. And it's all these super nuanced, unique foods Mm -hmm. that most of us aren't going to have access to. Right. Much less... Even if you do have the access, mm-hmm. afford it. That's a whole yes. other issue. Or have yes. the time to prepare it. Right. Yes. And then also in that class, it was just a shameful thing of like, if you're not hitting these exact micronutrition goals, mm. your baby could suffer from ba 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 for the rest of its life. Yeah. Because like, I'm going to put that onus on you now. Yes. Like, because you uh, miss taking your prenatal one day and your folates, you know, a little bit lower than it should be or something. That. Or, you know, the iron, they were harping on iron and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, why didn't anybody care when I was super anemic? I'm still anemic postpartum. They, no, nobody told me anything yep. about it, you know? Like, 
they don't teach you how you have to, you know, intake iron mm-hmm. to digest it. I'm sure you know. Right, versus, like, versus pill form yes. or something that's, yeah. And that was taught food. in my mm-hmm. class, in any of my classes. Yeah. That is stuff I know from researching myself. And it's just like... I was going to say, like, my, my doctor, you know... When I was when I was pregnant, and I asked like, are there any foods I should avoid? You know, it was the standard mm-hmm. list like, oh, don't eat raw fish, yeah. don't eat raw cheese, right. don't eat deli meat. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But there was nothing like, well, you should be really focusing on what you should do, trying yes. these things, and yes. then you know, postpartum, forget it. Yeah. Like. Right. When I was in the hospital, they're like, okay, here's your menu. Like, pick your and it two was a regular menu. Pick your two yeah. foods a day. Yeah. Yeah. I, that blows my mind. Which, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved drinking all the free chocolate milk. Yes. That was great. But <laughs> Did you have the pregnancy punch? Like, the push pregnancy punch? Punch? No. no. You guys don't have that out here? No. I, well, I mean, I gave birth within four hours, okay. so I don't... Maybe you didn't get the cocktail. <laughs> so, like, that. the cocktail in Seattle is something <laughs> like this. And I don't know that it's the best thing, but it does the job. Oh, it's like cranberry juice, orange notes. juice, apple juice, Sprite, and or ginger ale. That sounds, well, that sounds really sweet. It is very sweet, but moms need calories to push. Yeah. So when your doctor says, do not eat or drink anything, do you know why they're saying that? Because of the surgery possibility with the anesthesia, right? Possibility, yeah. right. And probability that they will push you towards it because they have a golf game at three and they want to get you out of there. Well, Let's the, be real. Wasn't it the anesthesia they did these studies with? You don't really You don't it. even use yeah. it anymore? Yeah. So, like, you yeah. won't even aspirate? Yeah. So, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. That's we, what I we want a fed mother. Yeah. A, f- a fed birthing person. We don't want somebody who's starved out of their mind, low blood sugar. Yeah. Because this is a marathon. That, in your case, it I was, was going to say, I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> uh, sprint, can't relate. Yeah, most people are in marathon, <laughs> yeah. like somewhere between 10 and 24 hours or more sometimes. Well, I was induced, so yeah, we were like looking uh, at 72 hours yeah. before. But you had your cooler. Oh yeah, I brought a cooler. That, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Like, like, let's empower people. First of all, yes. bring a cooler full of goodies. It should have soups. Yep. And stews, it should have like uh, little meats and cheeses, crackers, and then you should have some things that are just your fun foods, your sweets, or awesome. your drinks of choice. Yeah. Have some coconut water and coconut, full fat coconut milk. Okay. Oh my gosh, That's I could amazing. go on and on. But, I, see, and I feel I bring much those. more empowered That's now. Awesome. I know. Yeah. See, we didn't have a cooler, though. I was telling my husband the other day that they brought one, and he was yeah. like, well, we should have brought one because then our <laughs> champagne would have been cold. Ah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and I was lucky because I think the hospital I delivered at, thank God it was not a military hospital mm. because I already had that planned out because yeah. through military insurance, if you go in through an ER... Mm-hmm they have to cover it. So I was like, okay, if I just go into labor, I'm walking into a civilian ER yeah. and being like, oh, I don't have a time. Luckily, I got out before that and I delivered it to a civilian and they were like way more like progressive than any other hospital, yeah. which is awesome. There was still a ton of stuff. Like they didn't, I asked to push on squatting, but they were like, no, you have the epidural, you can't do it, which in retrospect, I was like, I, I my husband could have just sat behind yes. me and held me, Yes. and so that's something I'll push for in the next, because I, I knew I wanted an epidural since day one, I don't have any desire to yep. do it pain-free, that's yep. just my birth plan, Yep. and I mean, God, those women who do it, 
like Lindsay. Yeah, again, are, but not good or bad, right. just different. Just different. And yeah, just, you're all warriors. Yeah, right. You're all warriors. And I knew I'd enjoy my labor the best yep. if I was pain free, yep. and so that was it. But still, they did so many other things. Like I had, I they gave me the. Um, fetal monitor yeah and you had that to I keep could them? walk around okay. it was the I can't oh yeah the yeah the remote ones yeah so you can just yeah so good. for the first like 48 hours I wasn't strapped to the bed Absolutely. and then I got my epidural and then you know I was but you know they had a lot of really progressive things good. and like the anesthesiologist told me to stop eating mm-hmm. when I got the epidural and the nurses were like you what can we bring you you know yeah. if you need something we don't care we want you fed and good. like I was like so happy because I'm sure and I'm kind of worried that the hospitals here in Santa Fe are still kind of I mean I can't speak to that since again it happened so quickly yeah <laughs> like I was never instructed not to eat or drink because mm-hmm. by the time I was it was go time uh, like I was yeah. I was actively in labor wow. when I went to labor and delivery yeah. so I yeah. I was not interested in eating at that point yeah. and that's <laughs> had, how you know actually like I had zero interest yeah. Yeah. like I was like if I eat I'm going to puke yeah. and I was just in so much pain but um yeah I don't it would be interested if you have delivered in Santa Fe and you know or anywhere or anywhere like, tell us if your hospital like, like yeah up to date or tell us tell us what 50s. your experience was yeah. But I think that's, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is like, you're like, you're in control of your plan, right? Mm -hmm. So you can advocate for yourself. Now Mm -hmm. you may not be in the position to do so. So that's where, you know, it would be great to have a doula Mm -hmm. to, you know, someone who's not in active labor (laughs) (laughs) to to talk to, talk to your, you know, care team about what you want, what you don't want. That's where the birth plan comes in. Yeah. We talked about earlier. I think you know, when I handed my, my midwife, my birth plan, like she looked at me like I was insane. Mm -hmm. Like she really did not know why I was giving this to her. And I mean, mine was very basic. Basically the only thing in my birth plan was my husband was not to go past my waist. (laughs) (laughs) That was basically, that was it. You can't see that. (laughs) Well, well, I guess that, and that I wanted the golden hour. So any Mm -hmm. testing, whatever. I was like, he's going to be on me. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you can wait, whatever yeah. testing you have to do, you can wait. Yeah. Um, or you do it while he's on me. Yeah. Um, but that was the only thing in my birth plan. And mm-hmm. I handed it to my midwife and she like, again, looked at me like I had three heads mm-hmm. and like, it was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Um, I've had that happen at every hospital I'm at, even the progressive ones between the nurses and, you know, staff changes mm-hmm. over the course of the time that you're there. So just because you've shown it to one person doesn't mean that's the person that's going to be with you through the duration. So what I do is I post it everywhere. I bring blue painters tape with me so I don't mess up the walls <laughs> and I do at least three copies, one on the inside of the door and two on uh, one on a wall across from the bed and one behind the wall. So everybody sees it. I draw attention to it and I review it with the parents multiple times just to make sure where are we at? Have you changed your mind on anything? Now we've got this new information from a doctor. Let's go back to your plan. You said you didn't want this. Hear what your options are. Mm -hmm. Let's be informed about them. Let's ask more questions before you make your final decision. And most of all, don't be bullied. Yeah. Well, I, I like that you have those things. you give yeah. that option too. Like, yeah. hey, it doesn't have to be concrete. We can be flexible yes. with it, and yeah. you know, as we learn more things, as we experience more things, like we can change it. Yeah. And I think that's 
that's a great thing to know right. too. Well, it helps be able to emotionally process. Like again, we talked about, you know, the trauma afterwards, like it did not go the way I planned it. I thought I prepped and I thought it was going to be one way and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is because choices were taken away from you mm-hmm. and then you didn't have an advocate or weren't able or in a position to advocate for yourself or your partner wasn't able to, didn't feel like they could advocate for you yeah. either. Right. So one thing as doulas that we like to do is really empower you both yeah. to advocate for yourself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. We only step in if we feel like there's a reason you're stuck right, right now. We're not taking over those decisions. We're going to present you with everything and all the information and then refer you back to your initial, what did you want to do? Again, yeah. that flexibility, right? And that then that helps you process this as being, okay, this is a choice that I made. It wasn't my first choice, but I still made this choice. That's a great mm-hmm. point, yeah. Yeah, me and my husband had planned for it as if, like, I was unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he going to be saying? Yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, you know, that's such a rare thing to yeah. even happen. But I was like, if something happens, yeah. what are you going to be Good. telling them? Because, Good. like, you know... And it was so funny because we talked about it on my birth plan. It was like absolutely no forceps, no vacuums. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like, if I'm like dying and Mm -hmm. like that is not going to happen. And then 45 minutes into pushing, the OB was like, I'm just throwing this out there. If you're getting too tired, we can use a vacuum. And I was like, sure, do it. (laughs) So my poor daughter was, you know, sucked out of me and I had a pretty bad tear because of it. And I was just like... But, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, well, I chose to do it, so that's why I feel empowered by it. I I never had those kind of discussions with my husband, Mm -hmm. but I feel like just knowing what he was like in my room, Mm -hmm. like, I think he was, again, just very invested. So I think that's, again, where, like, a doula is a great Mm -hmm. advocate to have because they're, I mean, they're invested, but they're not... They're not, you know, mom partner, yeah. parent partner. Yeah. You know, they, they can, can they can definitely like keep like a yes. yeah, they, they can keep like back. a steady a yes. steady head yes. and yes. like okay, I have really no like emotional <laughs> investment well, in this. Well, yes and well, yes and but, Gosh, but it is hard to see our yeah. birthing parents go through struggles like yeah, and it's hard when outcomes are not ideal, and it is really hard if mom or baby suffers something mm-hmm. catastrophic like. Yeah. We're human too, like, yeah, and that absolutely. is like we've all worked so hard for, yeah, a, a better outcome. But yeah, like to what you're saying. Well, and I think that's like a perfect segue to ask my next question of like, do you have any stories that you know could be super happy, could be mm-hmm. traumatic, whatever you'd like to share mm-hmm. about just something really impactful that maybe changed the way you do your job or changed mm-hmm. the way you look at birthing pants or just anything you'd, you'd like to share that's really powerful to you yeah um you know just because I do both birth the birth side and the postpartum side like you know I've worked with single parents I've worked with couples um I've worked with um you know people who have uh, situations going on at home that aren't ideal Mm -hmm. um and they're really struggling and I'm coming into that environment knowing the struggle ahead of time and just helping everybody work out to where they're going to have the best outcome again possible despite whatever is going on. Um, Also, you know, I mentioned before helping people. What's really edifying to me (laughs) as a traditional rituals um, doula is bringing people back to their culture of origin or somewhere close to that 
and like giving them back something that I know their ancestors would want them to have. And like, maybe this sounds a little bit witchy, but this is like a real experience I had that was so beautiful is um, I had a client and she's Latin American. Um, she was really invested in having her culture being brought back to her. Nobody in her family had ever had this experience for as far back as she knew, mm -hmm. right? But she knew at one time, of course, Right. This was part of their daily lives and rituals of care. And so we brought those things back into the labor and delivery room. And we didn't know each other for very long either. She kind of hired me at the last moment. So it was like just jumping right in. And this is work that usually you got to get to know people. You yeah. Know, both it's sides pretty, of things, It's a pretty right? personal thing. It is. Right. It's very intense. And there was this moment. And I swear to you, I am not like a ghost whisperer or anything like that. <laughs> but there was this moment, um, and it was a very feral moment. She was she was up um, in this squat position, and she was just, like, she was roaring like a jaguar. Wow. And she was roaring, and so I'm attaching jaguar to it. And I said to her later, that roar reminded me of a jaguar and in, in Mexican culture, which she was. A jaguar is this very powerful deity, and it's actually attached to um, Ixchel, who is the, um, the the goddess of, of birthing people. And oh, I was oh, like, it was wow. just really, it was so That's interesting, crazy. like, how this all developed. And I said, and I'm feeling somebody here in this room. Like, oh, wow. one of your ancestors is here, and she just broke down. She's like, it's my grandmother. I knew it, too. And, like, you just That's confirmed amazing. it. And she's like, and my grandmother was the person I was the closest to in my life. And, you know, she's deceased now. She's on the other side. And I know for a fact she would have wanted to be here with me. And she's so proud of me that I'm bringing this back. Like, I'm so I was going to say, like, I was getting, like, goosebumps. This is, was, this is intense. Wow. It was so I have never since been in a room like that like wow, be, but amazing. it was because she was so open to it oh, and yeah. she was doing the work of her ancestors like think about that for a moment right. like it was so powerful and now she she said like I'm going to share this with my daughter like I want her to know my birth experience I want her to grow up knowing that this is how it can be and like and I bought a little baby jaguar stuffed animal and gave it to Aww. them and so that's like you know their connection to all of this full too. Circle. Like, yeah full circle but like those kinds of things even if you're let's say you're a Caucasian white person right and so um, sometimes we get into a little bit of a gray area where it's like is this appropriation is this something like it's not of my culture am I allowed to utilize it let's say it this way these rituals happened everywhere in the world at one point or another right. mm -hmm. and because of colonization by several different peoples in several different generations these were all lost there's no re reason a German person or a Polish person or an English person or a Scottish person did not have these they did they had their own yeah but they were very similar across the globe right and that's what's been lost yeah and so is it okay for you as a white identifying person to use a rebozo i would say yes if your doula is trained is either from that culture and or trained and gifted that knowledge mm -hmm. to be able to use that modality like a rebozo, like a Benkung belly wrap from Malaysia, like this, like okay. that, okay? Mm -hmm. So, because a lot of people will have that question. Yeah. And, and they will see these as beautiful rituals and they will want to have them and they should have them. Right. I believe not. Now, there might be some people who disagree with that, but I believe every birthing person is entitled to have 
any modality that is going to help them, that's going to make them feel connected, that's going to make them feel loved and cared for. Right. We can call it something different if we need to, but like, it's important to reestablish these things. That's what's going to change the tide. We're all talking about how it is now in 2022 and we can't believe it and Western medicine this and, you know, we can change it if we want to. And it starts with people like us that are talking about it, who are sharing our experiences, who are looking to um, alternatives, right? Yeah. That's what changes it. Right. Normalizing it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. We totally agree. That's why this podcast is super transparent and explicit Mm -hmm. and it's just because like we're not gonna it's been hidden for long enough we're not gonna you know beat around the bush or on anything we need to shine a big old light on it a big old light yes totally well yeah wow that is that's like almost crying yeah i was gonna say like that's super powerful it's really beautiful so I, I did think of a question mm-hmm. as you were talking about, you know, being a chef and mm-hmm. really thinking about like nutrition mm-hmm. and what the mom needs. So what would be like your go-to meal for like, you know, first day at home? Mm-hmm. Great question. Bone broth, bone broth, bone broth. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, not first day at home for like the minute you've given birth. Interesting. Actually, before you've given birth, you, mm. you can do it in pregnancy too, but bone broth, it has everything you need, all the micronutrients. Like awesome. um, if you're using quality ingredients, and this is a protocol I'm actually in the middle of developing, and I'll share it with you guys today. Yes. You heard it here first. <laughs> the acronym is OWL, the OWL protocol. And OWL stands for organic, warming, lactogenic. So those are the three things you want to focus on yeah. during um, the fourth trimester, the first four yep. weeks. So it's just so simple to remember. So bone broth is warming. Um, and if you're using herbs like turmeric, garlic, onion, um, we have lots of warming herbs, right? right. So use this in, in your Instapot when you're making your beautiful um, <laughs> bone broth. Um, I only use organic chicken or organic beef bones. Um, then we're using some beautiful vegetables that I get from the farmer's market out of my garden or you know organic aisle at the grocery store. Um, and you know you can add other things to it but let's remember that during pregnancy every system was changed you know your hormones are changing now everything was pushed up and displaced so um now that you no longer have baby and there everything's sort of like like dropping yeah Yeah. i was doing the the physical motion of this but and so your intestines are going to be um really compromised at this time so we just want to do sort of like the um you know when you have a uh, upset tummy kind of like thing, things well, to easy digest easy digestion had pretty intense nausea for the first yes. few days oh yeah after, definitely which, yeah you don't hear about that yeah no yeah. I, I felt like i was in the first trimester yeah, yeah. so mine ginger was definitely your... like when i was nursing too yes. like i would just get like intense yeah. nausea yeah. yeah and that's those hormones you're having a fl- a flush of new hormones or a reversal of hormones that you've been living with for nine months that right just gone. So, yeah. yeah and people don't even think like what, you know, what's the reason? Let's connect the dots of why these things are happening. Yeah. And so through nutrition, we can share these 
Why are we doing this? Because here's what's actually happening in your body right now. Yeah. And this is what's happening to you emotionally right now. And right. this is these are the new stressors and things that you're dealing with. And so this is why it is important. Okay. So I never tell anybody, like, don't eat something. Uh, I'm just going to warn you. If you eat it, you might have some, some issues. Some issues. Yeah. Right? You might be stopped up for longer or you might have diarrhea. If you already have... Um, some issues going on, right? Like nausea or you might have hemorrhoids. Like this is just going to make it worse for you. So yeah. let's try to avoid that. And again, awesome. this is stuff that no one, no yeah, one told no. me. No. Told me. Yeah. <laughs> no one talked to I me about totally this. I totally could have stomach to like bone broth. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, that would have been rice. much easier. Um, I wouldn't do, I don't do wild rice because um, mm -hmm. that's a little more fibrous. Mm -hmm. So anything that's like grains, we're going to hold off on just a, a little bit. Gotcha. But a white rice is really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, you can do some shredded meat in there. Do that shredded chicken off of your chicken that you did your bone broth with, okay. um, or your beef, whichever you prefer. Mm -hmm. If you're vegetarian or vegan, I was just about to ask. I, I, was, it. I was a vegetarian when I first yeah. gave birth. So, um, my guess is the moment you give birth, you will not want to be a vegetarian or vegan immediately. You will be craving these things. Like it's natural for your body to crave them. So, but, I mean, I stayed a vegetarian for a couple months, but I was having problems with, like, milk production. Yeah. So that's when mm. I started, like, mm. reincorporating meat mm. into my diet. Yeah. Um, but so, sorry. What, no, what would be yeah, your I alternative? Mean, yeah. So um, we're going to stay away from things like seitan and um, uh, tofu because mm. they contain all... I was going to say it's a lot of hormone. It's a lot of hormone, mm. right? And we're trying to really just, like... Regulate. Moderate, regulate. <laughs> exactly. Um, legumes. Okay. So you're going to get, um, here's the thing. I traditionally, we don't introduce legumes until a few days later because again, fibrous. Mm -hmm. Um, but in, in the absence of like, if we do have a vegetarian or vegan, we'll introduce them a little sooner. And what we will do is we'll do like dal, like the, um, Indian, um, yeah. um lentils or lentils, the right? French lentils. It's the lentils that don't stay hard. You want lentils that disintegrate. Again, that's going to have that lower, you know, yeah. probability of creating an issue. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and you might want to eat nuts or drink um, what I say is nut milks. So where the skin is off, where they've been pureed and made into milk. Those are going to be the best things for you okay. for protein. So there's definitely options. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you just had a few tips for parents when the baby's coming, mm -hmm. how they can prepare, what, what are the most important things or what is like something small that will save them trouble down the line? Get a doula. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not self-promotion, but like honestly, right. they can really offset a lot of those issues um, that you're going to totally. have and they can help you organize your thoughts and they can actually help you through that process. Like even if you just contracted with one for that organizing period, if you mm -hmm. couldn't afford one for the whole duration of your birth or the whole duration of your postpartum, they can help you through things like, let's do that birth and postpartum planning. Let's think about creating some meals. Here's the things you can do. They'll advise you on the nutrition components. Um, let's think about what modalities you can do at home. You mm -hmm. can do a, 
a yoni steam at home. You can do a warm bath at this point. You can do, you know, maybe the, incorporate these herbs or drink these teas. You know, they're just going to give you those those things that other people might not be able to give you right, right. away. Okay. Um, and another thing is like establishing, when you establish your, like for your baby registry, mm-hmm. that's something that most people have is, is you know, somebody throws them. Yeah. Right. The yeah. Party. And what do you get from those registries? Most people, you stuff get like, for babies. yeah, you yeah. get stuff for babies, yeah. nothing for you, but you honestly need stuff the most. Like babies can live without 20 pacifiers and yeah. 10 baby yeah. shoes that they will never wear. <laughs> yes. And like 20 onesies, that's just yes. more laundry for you. Yes. Like all of these things you get in excess that you really don't need and you don't have time to return. And it's like, just sitting in a closet and you end up giving it away right at the yeah. end okay how do you know my whole life story because <laughs> <laughs> it's everybody's life story and what's brilliant okay. is now there are these organizations that are helping you put together a registry for things that you actually need the care so and cool. services that you actually need maybe That's you need awesome. a pelvic floor therapist you need a chiropractor yeah. you need a massage therapist you need a doula That's you great. need these other things that traditional healthcare doesn't necessarily cover or cover all of but you can start putting like you can do a gofundme um there's Sites like HelloMila. Oh, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> There's, um, yeah. I mean, you can find your doulas through different websites too. You can talk to local organizations mm-hmm. that might either give you sliding scale or a scholarship, right. or there's a grant out there if you can't afford a doula. Yeah. You know, there's. You can have a lady run up to you when you're getting out of your car. <laughs> yeah, it's a costume yeah. and say, when you're eight months pregnant, are yeah. you pregnant? I noticed that you're pregnant. That's when you say, no. What? <laughs> no, what do you mean? <laughs> I yeah. think I was just too alarmed. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. why is this lady I know, that running would be up really on me? really disconcerting. <laughs> well, that's great. And you kind of started to talk about resources because oh, a lot yes. of people can't afford a doula, which yeah. is totally, it, it should be part of everybody's insurance, yeah. but that's besides the point. Or if you're just somebody like me who had no idea what a doula did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. So what what would be, I know you just said like how to find a doula, but are there some other resources that you would recommend? Well, yeah, some other like really simple things, ways to find a doula is Facebook groups, like mommy Facebook groups. So here are the keywords that I would say put in. Search for keywords like doula, birth worker, moms, parents, birth, pregnancy, postpartum, etc. And then put your state or city or your region, your area, and then that'll populate. And then you can ask the question or just scan through and see if anybody recommends anybody. Um, Then, I mean, honestly, word of mouth, though. Like, just start asking around. You know... I that's the best way to find somebody or yeah. call a local doula agency or an organization that you know works with um, birthing parents okay. or postpartum parents. WIC might even have some. Oh, oh that's, that's a good, good resource. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people use WIC. Um, your local social services might have some other idea. organizations yeah. that put you on to. Um, if you're here in New Mexico, um, we've got Tiwa Women United. We've got um, Breath of My Heart. We've got um, Las Cumbres. Okay. Um, yeah. Great. And La, these will La all, League. These will oh, all yes. be in the show notes. Yes. So Great. you don't... 
If you're not catching them right now, they will all be in the show notes. Right. We'll, we'll definitely put <laughs> we'll have um, links. some show notes on our Instagram, too, because these are right. important. Yeah, these are important resources. Yeah. Oh, lastly, FSA and HSA. So if you do have insurance, um, and sometimes Medicaid, it depends on your state, mm-hmm. Medicaid will reimburse and FSA oh. or HSA, but you have to call your insurance provider ahead of time, ask exactly what services are covered gotcha. and for how many hours, and then just have a conversation with your doula, make sure that they write your receipt for exactly that okay. you may have to pay out of pocket but then you'll be reimbursed okay. I've had mm-hmm. several clients use their HSA and FSA awesome. and some are using Medicaid here in New Mexico okay so wow. definitely yeah. good to know that's awesome that's important yeah. information yeah and these things are changing like people are starting to be aware that this is a necessary service so just because with your last kid your insurance might not have even yep. known what a doula was, maybe Just it's worth. Yeah, Absolutely. it's worth asking. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Lindsay, do you have any more questions for this amazing lady? I think I think that covers all mine, but I have so many more. But we can't <laughs> well, talk we, for ten hours. I was I gonna guess. say we we will definitely have to ask you back yeah, if yes. if you're willing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bring food and I'll be there. All right, awesome. I, I got you. We'll put all of Monica's information in the show notes and on our Facebook and Instagram so you can connect with her and. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, well, give it a listen. Five star review as per usual. Yeah, Instagram at Moms of Minis, Facebook Moms of Minis. We have an email. It's Moms of Minis Pod at gmail.com. Yep. And write in your stories, yes. write in your doula experiences. We want to share them. Or if you, you have listen. any questions you would like us to pass along, yeah, please. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Monica. Yes, thank you, thank you Monica. <laughs> thank you, girls. All right. Bye, Bye guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>